Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan football passed its first serious test of the season on Saturday, winning at Penn State to move to 10-0. The Wolverines did it without suspended head coach Jim Harbaugh. We break down the huge victory and what's next for Harbaugh and the program coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here Sunday night, November 12th, uh, day after Michigan's really impressive victory over Penn State, ninth-ranked team in the country on the road, beats them 24-15 to stay undefeated, stay in the driver's seat, uh, you know, to control its own destiny, to get to the Big Ten Championship, keep its, you know, playoff hopes alive, all that good stuff. Uh, how, how was the trip? You guys were there. You drove there. Um yeah, we drove. Um, I've kind of figured out now the trips to State College are probably just their best behind the wheel driving because you can't like for those folks maybe never you know travel to State College or they've never done it before. But like you can fly into State College. There's an airport there with commercial airline access, but you, you can't stay there. I mean, you can, but you're paying like eight nine hundred dollars a night for a hotel room, so it's fiscally just irresponsible. So we always end up staying, and most of our colleagues are the same way. You know, like forty five minutes to an hour outside of State College, at least for football games. Like I can't speak to basketball, so it, it's always a journey in and of itself. Like right. one year, I flew to Pittsburgh and then drove the rest of the way. Some of our colleagues fly into Harrisburg and drive. Some flew into State College and drive an hour out. So Zook and I ended up road tripping it, which probably ended up being for the best, given of what you know what came down Friday afternoon and, and Friday night uh, in in before the game. So. Um, it, it's, it's a relatively easy drive, you know, assuming there's no snow or, you know, icy roads or whatever the case may be. And luckily the last, at least for speaking from my, you know, my experience, the last four times we made the trip, it's been relatively, you know, uh, uneventful on the roads. To me, the only fun part of the trip is the actual 60 minutes of the game, because yeah, the drive there is, is pretty boring. You're staying in a small town where there's not much going on. Getting to the stadium, I mean, we, we stayed an hour away and we got within two miles of the stadium um, within an hour. And then it took another hour, 15 minutes to go two miles to get to our parking lot. And we were there three hours before the game, too. So it was just an awful nightmare trying to get into State College, into the parking lot. And, yeah, I mean, it's, you're driving back and then you're going to staying in the town where there's not much going on. So... The, the 60 minutes of the games, both games I've been there in Happy Valley have been awesome. I mean, they've gone down to uh, the atmosphere is great. They've gone down to the fourth quarter, and um, that part's been cool. But And the food the food in the press box is pretty good, too. But other than that, it's it's not like a memorable trip in a good way or anything like that. I've been in the beat since 2017, and the pregame situation getting into State College, just like Ryan explained, was the worst situation I've ever experienced. It was gridlock traffic within two miles of the stadium. You couldn't move for for minutes on end no traffic cops doing anything yeah it's not like we made the wrong turn or went the wrong way like we knew where we were going we'd done this before and it just you, you didn't move you sat in traffic forever so you know, we heard from people online saying the the traffic after the game out of the stadium is even worse luckily we don't experience that just because we're in the press box for like three hours after the game but man that, that game day atmosphere is incredible like the tailgating scene is great it, it's a fun environment and once you get once you get inside beaver stadium but man, getting there is such a pain in the butt yeah basketball is a uh, no problem flying right into state college that tiny airport in and out um 
no no single regular season basketball game on any team's campus is going to be you know that big a deal especially one involving uh you know penn state so uh yeah not not a problem there uh okay as you guys were getting down there of course news uh you know just before you left and then even while you were traveling um you know news broke about the big 10 suspending jim harbaugh uh for the remainder of the regular season three games it it was interesting they kind of said that uh while they couldn't find any evidence of him knowing about it either and they're punishing Michigan. They're just kind of choosing to do it through him. Uh, this, you know how they didn't want to punish the players. Uh, they didn't want to, they couldn't really figure out any other route, I guess. So they said, all right, we'll just the head coach just sit out a few games. Yeah. Jim basically has to bite the bullet for what the big 10 perceives as Michigan violating its sportsmanship policies. What does this come down to? Um, I, I think it's been detailed. We, we discussed it earlier in the week, but this goes back to late last Monday, right? Michigan, or the Big Ten handed Michigan a notice of disciplinary action, basically warning them, saying, hey, discipline is coming. They didn't ex- exactly state what, what, what it was, but they were going to do something. Michigan responded Wednesday with their 10-page um, response, you know, urging uh, the Big Ten and Commissioner Tony Petit to kind of slow his role and wait for the NCAA investigation to play out. And, and we, you know, they, they, they didn't want anything hastily done. Um, nonetheless, the, the Big Ten came out Friday afternoon, um, just about as late as you could, you know, before the end of business uh, on Friday. It was like a little left for 3 p.m. Eastern time when the, when the notice came down. In fact, Michigan was on the plane headed for State College when this was first when this first came out. Um, but yet Jim Harbaugh was handed a suspension that effectively runs through the conclusion of the regular season um, for three games, including the Penn State game on, on Saturday, Maryland this coming Saturday, and then the regular season f- finale against Ohio State. Um, since then, it's been, I mean, it's only been 48 hours or so now, but it feels like it's been a week just based on Michigan's response in the courts, um, what ha- happened on Saturday or maybe just didn't happen on Saturday. And then we've got this this court battle kind of playing out or expected to play out next week in Washington County. So as of right now, Jim Harbaugh has been effectively banned from the sideline, banned from uh, the uh, facilities on game day uh, on Saturdays, just kind of like he was early in the year when, he, when Michigan handed him that three-game suspension. He still will be allowed to um, you know, participate in practice with his team. He can go through meetings and everything else. He just can't be in the stadium on Saturdays. So um, until Michigan can uh, get a temporary restraining order uh, you know, uh, approved by a judge, and they're, they're hoping that can still happen, uh, he's going to be sidelined. So the, the the court thing is going to play out. We'll see what happens. I've been told that, that it's on the docket for this coming Friday in Washington County. A judge is expected to rule one way or another. Uh, Michigan obviously hopes that they can get a ruling in their favor, that which will allow Jim back on the sideline. If not, he's going to have to, to, to close out this, this suspension. So Big Ten basically said Michigan, you know, through the NCAA investigation and, and their, their evidence that they have and what they've been given, they believe Michigan's violated their sportsmanship policy through the the sign stealing stuff. Um, they believe, believe Michigan was get, had an unfair advantage on the field. And Michigan says, hold on, there's no evidence of this, no proof at this point. The NCAA is still investigating and let's that let let's let that play out before we uh before we move forward. Yeah, it's at, at this point it looks like the the decision has deprived us the opportunity to see a Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day handshake at the end of the Michigan Ohio State game. But the, as Aaron noted, that that is but could potentially change. But it's just t- to me, it, it's been kind of unfortunate with how much speculation there's been about this whole situation. I mean, even before the Big Ten came down with their decision, I mean, people are saying, oh, yeah, Michigan's feeling confident, isn't expecting a, that harsh of a punishment. And then there's other people saying, oh, yeah, like they, they're 
considering the gamut here and they could suspend them for a while the rest of the season. And it's just like, let this thing play out. And I think people are reading reports and, and getting stuff in their head thinking, all right, this is what it's going to be. When they see something different, they're either overreacting. It's like no one really knows much about this besides the people that are kind of engulfed in it every day. So there's going to be some twists and turns and we just kind of got to let things play out. But yeah, what uh, what a wild trip down to um, yeah, and I think I, I wrote the story about mission filing for the temporary restraining order while we were driving down there too. And it's like, all right, is it going to happen Friday night? We wake up Saturday morning. Is it going to happen before kickoff? It didn't end up happening. And I, I think I was telling Aaron before the game, like, I think this is a good best case scenario for mission. I mean, that's they had the week of preparation with Jim. And all right, yeah, they they find out on the plane that he's suspended, and then they don't get the TRO granted in time. It's like, oh man, this team is going to come out flying, and they, they ended up uh, pulling out the victory and, and remained undefeated. So that that didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. I, I kind of feel like Harbaugh would have flown there anyway. Uh, I mean, maybe we could ask him, you know, tomorrow. Uh, but at this point, maybe it doesn't matter. But you know what I mean? It, it was interesting that he he found out, you know, he's, he had already left, you know, on the plane. But, you know, just given that he's able to be with the team, you know, any other time other than, you know, on the on the sideline in the facility when they're at the game, you know, maybe he still would have gone just for the travel and, you know, some sort of pregame pep talk in the hotel. I, I don't know. But for the airline miles, <laughs> there you go. So the, uh, you know, the Big Ten um, now that, you know, once they handed out the punishment, they, you know, they, they posted on their website for the public to see, you know, the correspondence between them and the university on this. You see that their notice of allegations sort of not not the NCAA's official notice of allegations that that has not come yet, as Michigan notes. Um, but, they, you know, what, what they found problematic with Michigan's behavior, Michigan then responded. And then the Big Ten ultimately gives its final response with the punishment and you can you can read all this stuff if you'd like uh and you know i have so that you don't have to um and the big 10 response the the you know the final one i just kind of picked a few you know interesting um points from it and and i'll start here and it's that the big 10 says that nowhere in michigan's response did they deny that the impermissible scheme occurred so basically they're saying well in all your um you know just 10 pages of responses you never you never said you didn't do it you're just kind of pointing out, you know, procedural and technical arguments. That's what the Big Ten says. Uh, one of the things that you know they clearly, you know, used against them to a to a certain extent. Uh, another thing is that they found that the the it happened. Like they they can prove that rules were broken. Now whether you know they, they'll say maybe the the NCA will find additional evidence of the scope, extent, and individual knowledge of the scheme. Uh, you know they felt it was appropriate to take immediate action. And then the third thing I'll highlight is that. Michigan said that, you know, other schools may be kind of doing similar things. They, they alluded to that. And, you know, the, the Big Ten was like, the conference is unmoved by the university's attempt to downplay its impermissible conduct by asserting that other conference members may have engaged in signed decoding. Uh, so basically, they're saying they don't have any evidence of that, the Big Ten. Um, if they do, they'll punish those teams when that time comes. But as of now, they don't have any of that evidence. So hence the punishment. You, you summed it up perfectly. Uh, NCAA is investigating. The Big Ten is kind of taking that. And it sounds like, too, we've, you know, we've, there have been you know, legitimate reports saying that the NCAA 
has been in, in contact with the Big Ten in terms of sharing information and letting them know what was going on. So mm-hmm. there's probably some stuff the Big Ten knows that they haven't maybe dis, haven't disclosed yet. But it, it's clear they feel comfortable punishing Michigan for violating their their quote unquote sportsmanship policy here. And now it's important to point out too the NCA and the Big Ten are two different entities, right? Like they're not moving, they're not operating on the same Discord here, right? Like the NCA has to they have a procedural situation that they're they're in these fact-finding stages right now of an investigation of a potential rules violation. And you've got the Big Ten here being told this, get, being given information, being, being shown all this stuff, and they're they're trying to figure out whether Michigan violated their own policy, their own conference policies. Meanwhile, as, as was reported last week, Tony Petiti was also facing pressure from football coaches and ADs within the conference to quote-unquote you know, you know, act and, and punish Michigan. So there's a lot at play here. Uh, a lot going on. You've got cases being made on both sides. Um, this is obviously probably going to be played out, you know, in court as as we're seeing it, specifically with the big regards to the Big Ten. But as you pointed out, Andrew, um, Michigan has not denied any of this stuff. Um, they've simply pointed their finger at other people, saying, "Hey, they're they're doing it too. They're doing it too." You know, is is, is it that big of a deal? Uh, and that they're trying to get off that way. And then you've obviously got the emotional side coming out. You've got administration from President Santa Ono down to A.D. Ward Manuel, the regents, um, upset that Jim Harbaugh has become essentially the target of the situation when, as of right now, there's no credible evidence pointing him to having knowledge or involvement in in this sign-stealing scheme. And it's important to point out Jim has denied it as well. So um, you got a lot of unhappy folks. Uh, you got a lot of folks pointing their fingers in different directions. Uh, it's it's a messy situation with a lot of sidebars here. Um, I'm really curious how this week plays out, whether Jim ends up on the sideline in, in College Park Saturday night in Maryland. Yeah, people are saying it's the Jim Harbaugh is now the target. But, I mean, if you decide to punish the program, and let's say that the Big Ten decided to keep Michigan out of the Big Ten Conference game, championship game, that would be worse, I would think, in, in most fans' minds because that could hinder their – their college playoff hopes. I mean, yes, it sucks for Jim Harbaugh. And yes, to this point, I mean, there's been no evidence that has linked him to this, the sign stealing, stealing scheme. But at this point, Michigan still controls its own destiny. It can still make the big 10 championship win the first national championship in program history since 1997. At this point, there's nothing derailing that it's instead of just Jim Harbaugh, not being on the sidelines for now, the next two games. I mean, Yes, it, it is unfortunate, and it's, it's probably hurting Jim more than the, anyone else. But like, if, if you're a fan, it's like, all right, well, like, it's not the end of the world, and, and they could have came, brought that the hammer down a little bit harder. So, it, and or at least suspend Jim for throughout the week too. The fact that he gets to help prepare and be with the team, that's a huge advantage. So, really, the the biggest loser in this, I think, is Tony Petiti because right now he's got people angry on both sides, and uh, not and he's not in an ideal situation. <laughs> after uh after saturday or friday yeah one thing i wanted to ask about was you know it's been reported about a, a two-game deal was like the max that Petiti could hand out and obviously that that just wasn't true i mean this is three games is there any anything either you can tell me about that yeah so the the big 10 sportsmanship policy it, it's available online you can go read it mm-hmm. you know there are two different directions a commissioner can take with a with a punishment there's a standard and there's a, a major i think disciplinary action it's called the the standard it includes that maximum two game penalty anything above that would indicate that you need to get approval from the i think it's called the joint group executive committee of the big 10 it's a group made comprised of 80s presidents and the like my assumption is that, com- that 
Petiti has gotten approval from them to go more than two. Yeah, he referenced them in the um, yeah in his final statement. Yeah, correct. The problem with the Big Ten through this whole situation, they haven't communicated very well. They haven't publicly acknowledged that they investigate that they've opened an investigation in Michigan. It sounds like that's been communicated between the commissioner's office and, and Michigan it's, itself. But um, you know, he he technically needed to open an investigation to do all this stuff too. So it, it sounds like he's gotten approval from that. There was no mention of that in the release or the communication. So that that does have me scratching my head. But the fact that he did go above and beyond the the, the max two game would signal he got approval from that group. To, to go to go longer yeah and that obviously matters now with one game you know behind him in the suspension and um you know two games left with the last one being ohio state i think you know a lot a lot of fans could at least at this point now stomach it a lot better if it was all right he's gonna miss maryland uh they can they can probably beat them regardless but you, you want to be at you know full strength for ohio state i it I, i'm with zook to a certain extent um i think it's impossible to quantify what any head coach means on game day, specifically one who doesn't call plays, you know, on either side of the ball, which is the case with Jim Harbaugh. I'm not saying he doesn't mean anything, but it's definitely impossible to say he's worth, you know, X number of points. Um, I think this last Saturday was a huge, though I will say the point spread didn't move once we knew that he was um, suspended, but uh, you know, this last game was a good, you know, barometer since, the first three without him, you know, we, we knew who the opponents, you know, we all know who the opponents were. They weren't particularly good. This now, you know, this was a, a real pressure environment. I mean, I don't want to say it's anything's as high as Ohio State, but on the road, maybe, you know, it, it was pretty close. And, and you know, the, the rest of the coaches obviously got it done. Um, the other thing is now this is this is behind them now to a certain extent. I mean, they're still hoping, like like you said, to get that restraining order to be able to, um, you know, get Harbaugh back on the sidelines. Um, but like, I, I really feel comfortable saying nothing worse is coming. I, I know we kind of all um, predicted that nothing would happen at all to Michigan this season. We didn't think, you know, the NCAA would act that quickly and they didn't. Obviously, it was the Big Ten that stepped in. But I'm even more confident saying like, I don't think the NCAA has any reason now to to, you know, act super quickly um, since he has already been punished. I'm not saying they won't eventually maybe tack on more or, you know, whatever. But um, I think now, you know, at least, all right, this, this is what we're dealing with. It's it's behind us. We're without our head coach for three games, but that that's the punishment. Yeah, I still maintain the NCAA won't won't act before the end of the season. It's just too soon, too quickly. My understanding is they're still very in the preliminary you know stages of the investigation. Um, it, it sounds like they haven't even interviewed the entire Michigan coaching staff yet. So there's still, I think, a lot of work to do there. And while the NCAA has been trying to, they've tried to expedite some of these these uh, infractions cases in recent months, it's still going to take some time. So no, I don't expect anything from the NCAA to come down. And assuming Michigan doesn't get themselves in further trouble with the Big Ten moving forward here, that's probably going to be it for now from Tony Batiti's office. Um, so it, it, as far as quantifying Jim Harbaugh's absence, it's a good question. I think the odds makers would probably tell you he's probably worth a point or two, but beyond that, as you guys pointed out, doesn't call plays. He's kind of, he's more of a CEO executive role. So there, there's just not a ton of, I, I don't think there's a ton of difference on, on the field. Now, one could point to that the first three games, he was suspended early this season and Michigan, they won, failed to cover the spread in all three games and didn't look great at all at times. Maybe there's a case to be made that maybe Jim Harbaugh doesn't make a difference. Um, the players, I think, would tell you that he would, um, just based on his presence on the sideline is just the, the famili familiarity of having their head coach there. Um, I mean, nonetheless, you know, and I've said this in, in radio interviews the last couple of weeks on this whole situation, but 
you know, with, with this whole thing hanging over their heads, the players, the coaches, everything else, they've now played three games since these accusations came out, the sign stealing stuff came, came about, and they've won every game, the first two handedly, beat Michigan State 49 nothing, beat Purdue 41-13, and now they go on the road and, 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 and confirm that they are, in fact, a top-10 team, a potential playoff team, and, and win a big game in State College. So um, they've handled it relatively well. I, I do think Jim Harbaugh makes a difference, um, but it, nonetheless, I mean, they're, they're taking care of business, and right now there's no doubt that Michigan is, I think, one of the best football teams in the country. Since we're talking about coaches and the potential impacts they could have for a team on the sidelines, I, I wonder how many emails Bettini might have gotten from Penn State fans last night wondering when they can dig up some dirt on James Franklin so they can sus suspend him for a few games. <laughs> I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, I saw something on online that – James Franklin got outcoached by a team that didn't have a coach. So, I mean, that kind of was the case there. And he, in, in James Franklin's case, he, he was worth negative points, I think, for for his team on, on Saturday. And obviously ended up firing his offensive coordinator after the game. I mean, that's like the ultimate uh, stamp of approval for an opponent's defense. And that that's what Michigan did. And, yeah, I don't know. My last thing on Harbaugh was that I think it's almost the ultimate compliment uh, to him that, how his team is can play without him. I mean, I think there's like a saying about that. I think maybe a military saying about, you know, the ultimate sign of like your troops is how they perform or how they act when you're not there. Uh, and yeah, that's, you know, he, he's done his work. Most of his work comes before game day, you know, obviously in recruiting, but then yeah, building that culture and coaching and what you're doing in practice. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so kudos to him, and then obviously the players for for executing that game plan. Uh, yeah, whether Petiti overreached with this suspension, I've heard from one. You know, uh, AD told me he felt that was the case. Another former AD kind of said how the NCA eventually weighs on this will be huge for Petiti because if they come back and they don't add anything on top of it, they're like, oh, yeah, what you did was fine, or even you know, kind of completely vindicate Harbaugh, then it it kind of looks bad for him and for a you know guy in his first year who doesn't really have it has no track record to really fall back on uh it, it could be could be in a tough spot potentially but uh yeah and and that's the case michigan i think made you know athletic director warren Emanuel issued a statement saturday before the before kickoff at penn state you know that basically making that case that this this is an unprecedented situation and perhaps tony petiti set a, a poor precedent here because as you said what the nca comes back and says you know michigan skirted the rules but didn't exactly break anything and, and petiti went above and beyond here to to level this this three game suspension at, uh, on Harbaugh and, and the program, so he it's going to be very interesting to watch this play out. How how this you know six months to a year from now when we look back on the situation and see how it played out. Um, you know, Petiti's in his first year; he's got a lot of stuff to figure out. He's got a lot of folks trying to get on his good side. So I, I don't know. Uh, Michigan's not happy. I can tell you that. Ward Manuel was was voicefully displeased over the weekend. There were folks in the program venting to me that normally don't, I can tell you that. So you can tell behind the scenes, they weren't happy. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, they, they said he found out when he got off the plane when they landed in State College. Um, I can tell you this, play, the players are motivated. I, I don't know if it makes a difference. I, I don't know against, you know, Maryland, if, if it's going to make a difference. But, you know, they, they certainly rallied around their coach. Uh, they like playing for him, clearly. Um, this this isn't the first time they've had to do it. So I think they're, they've gotten used to it in some regards. Um, but, I don't know. These final couple of games are going to be fascinating. They should win. They should beat Maryland no issue, with no issue. But that Ohio State game, if Jim is still sidelined, um, I, I just I don't know. That's going to be a fascinating week to, to play out.
right. Well, nearly 25 minutes into this pod, how about we talk about the actual football game that took place? And I, I you know, I almost feel bad that we did talk so much about this other stuff, but it, it really has to be discussed, obviously. It's huge news. Um, I think maybe with now the suspension, like you can kind of move on to kind of focusing a, a little more on on, on football. Um, but yeah, this was, um, you know, like, like we said, an incredibly impressive performance. Uh, Michigan's defense and their run game is what won this game. They held, uh, you know, Penn State to 238 yards. Uh, Drew Aller, uh, 10 of 22 passing, 70 yards. Um, and yeah, they don't, Michigan does not attempt a pass. Well, they attempted one pass in the second half, but it was pass interference. So it gets wiped out of the, the box score. So no official pass attempts for J.J. McCarthy. I mean, it was, it was kind of amazing watching on TV because, you know, they just love just they little pop-up small graphic, you know, uh, before a play, McCarthy, you know, seven of eight, um, you know, 60 yards or whatever. Just, and it, I mean, it, that never changed. I mean, it just <laughs> never, it never changed. It was, it was unbelievable. It was really reminiscent of like a 2021 or 2022 Michigan football game, right? They were trying to run the football. Well, let's put it this way. They, they tried throwing the ball early and the offensive line wasn't holding up. Pass protection wasn't great. And they, they, you know, pivoted to the run game to see what they got going there. Struggled for the first quarter, and then they finally started opening things up. You know, Donovan Edwards got a couple of big runs. Blake Corum was broke, I think, a, a big run or two. And it, it, it was very much Michigan deploying the ground-and-pound scheme that, that got them to this point a couple of years ago, controlling clock, and the defense, you know, coming up when they needed to. Penn State had trouble moving the football. They, they lacked the explosive plays, as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Offense just looked out of sync the entire game. Michigan's defense came up big when they needed to. It was it was very. I was told Zook this, and you know it was very reminiscent of the 2021 K McNamara days where they didn't have to throw a football. They leaned on the run game, controlled the clock, and they just you know eventually smothered the opponent. Yeah, almost like that that Washington game. I think Aaron asked me in the car, like, I wonder when the last time Michigan won a game with a, a quarterback throwing for like under. 100 yards or under 75 yards or something and we, we didn't have to go back very far it was uh 2021 20, against washington when Cade met met only threw for 44 yards so it's it, you're right it was definitely reminiscent of that and it almost got to the point where it, it seemed like michigan was just trying to to send a message because there were some times in the second half where like yeah you you could you didn't have to drop back and throw the ball you, you could have just did a, like some quick passes like on bubble screens and like i mean Penn State was just selling it on the run, but I think they just wanted to to make a statement and say, we're going to run this ball down your throats and, and screw you guys and, and screw the Big Ten. And it ended up paying off. And, yeah, it was – to see the long runs by Donovan and, and Blake was encouraging, but there was also a lot of runs that didn't go for, for much gain too. So it was a little bit of a slog at some at points for, for this Michigan offense, but – with they broke off some long runs and then JJ McCarthy on some design runs picked up some key first downs and I, I don't think yeah his, his passing stat line might not look pretty but he he made some big plays with his legs that, that helped move the chains a couple times and and led to some points and he he protected the ball I mean you know you when you run when you run is you know several eight times he had eight rushes like that and it's just so key in a game like this and his, his counterpart didn't his counterpart you know lost the ball once and it was it was huge now. Michigan fumbled once was a quorum, I think, and, and they were fortunate to get it back. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't completely mistake free. But, yeah, Michigan just 
they're so it's not stubborn they're just they're so committed to the run you know what i mean like even even early on like you're saying not everyone was going for it, but they stay with it they stay with it knowing that they can you know eventually wear a team down and and you know pop some long ones and they and they did like j- just enough um and, you know it was just the three guys that got the ball you know it was Corum, edwards and and mccarthy and you know the obviously not too many pass catchers when you only throw it eight times it's kind of wild roman wilson did not targeted at all a single time in this game but uh yeah they made sure that you know the right guys were getting it and yeah they they <laughs> did what they needed to do to win I think part of it too is like tactical ego part of it. Like Michigan knew going in the game, Penn State, the number one Russian defense in the country. And, 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 you know, previous games too. I mean, there have been things that the coaching staff have pointed out about the opponents, like usually good things. Like I remember Michigan State week, it was third, Michigan's third down defense and Nebraska's rush defense. Michigan, I think, has purposely tried to target these quote unquote strengths of opponents. And they 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 beat them doing that stuff. So I, I think they're in a way there's they're, Michigan. You're right. Is trying to send a message to point to people saying, "Hey, we're not just beating these teams because they're bad in one area, but we're beating them in their, their strengths of their games." And that was a similar situation Saturday. You know, they thought Penn State did a very good job stopping the run, and Michigan said, well, "All right, if you're good at it, try and stop us." And and they did in some regards, but Michigan was able to get enough big runs and they're able to control the clock to where it, it didn't really matter. Michigan they showed that they were the the, the the better team. And, you know, there were times where the scoreboard looked close and, and obviously Penn state had the lead there early, but like it, I never got the feeling as the game went on that, that Penn state really had a chance to win. I mean, Michigan almost seemed to control all game. Like I remember I started writing the game story in the fourth quarter that, and I, I just, I was never worried that I didn't think that Penn state had a shot. So it was just, I don't know. Michigan controlled the game really from the second quarter on, they were the, obviously the better team on both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, it, it's going to come down to Michigan, Ohio State here to determine the big, you know, the Big Ten East as we probably, as most of us expected going into the year. Um, but yeah, it, it was, I don't know, it, it was a good win for Michigan. They are going to be, again, top four team in the playoffs again the, next week. Um, and yeah, g- good win. And yeah, I mean, I, I was maybe a little bit worried or thought that that it could be a, an upset potential when when Penn State drove down and and got inside Michigan's ten yard line, which ha- hasn't not happened at all, but if, through the first nine games, and, and the defense made a stand and, and forced a field goal, and then on the next offensive drive, Michigan goes down and scores, and it's like all right there, and then Penn State on their next drive has a, a fourth in inches, maybe an inch on, on their own 30 something. it's like, Hmm, does, does James Franklin get aggressive, try and keep their offense on the field after their, their defense was just on the, on the field for a long time. No, he decides to punt in that scenario. Mission goes back down stores again. And then once it was 14 to three, it's like, yeah, you, you just never got a sense that this Penn state offense was going to be able to, to store enough to, to come back in and win this game. And can we talk about James Franklin's decision making? I mean, I know you were discussing it in the press box with me, Zook, but like the decision to go for the two point conversion after their first touchdown, again chasing points in the first half. Second half, he does it again late, uh, doesn't get it, and it, it's it's still a nine point game. You can make the case whether he should have won it for it or not. And then again, the third quarter, he he uses a timeout and then on a fourth down, and then decides to punt it instead of going for it. Like to just. And it seems like it's every year he makes boneheaded decisions. And I don't know how often it happens, maybe just against Michigan, but you could tell after the game that the Penn State fans are frustrated. Um, I know he signed an extension. They, they should be. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, he signed an extension, a big money deal. Um, I don't think they, I don't think he's going to go anywhere anytime soon. 
But, you know, at some point, I, I think he's got to start winning some of these bigger games. He, he just can't do it. He can't beat Michigan. He can't beat Ohio State. And I, I do think that the Big Ten going away from divisions next year certainly will probably help a program like Penn State. But, man, win a game. Like, do something right. And he just he never seems to do it. To, to me, the most egregious call was going for it on fourth and six from your own in your own territory with just over four minutes left to go with, uh, with a couple timeouts still like punt the ball. You're only down eight. Your defense has been playing pretty well and getting stops. Why when you, when you don't get it there, you basically that's, that's the end of the game. You lost the game because you couldn't get six yards and you haven't, they hadn't shown at all throughout the game that they could get those six yards when they needed to. So it's like, well, when, when you should probably go for it, he doesn't. And when you should punt the ball or do something or hit the extra point, he doesn't. It's just like he, he's just trying to he, – he's too cute and trying to overthink or something. I don't know. But none of his decisions really made sense at the time, and they didn't pay off. And, that yeah, now Penn State season's over as far as their, their hunt for the Big Ten East. Yeah, my uh, in-laws are coming for Thanksgiving. My one brother-in-law is a Penn State fan, and we're doing some meal – planning uh today on text message and he said he'll take uh he'll take everything without gravy so he can choke like james franklin that's what it, that's the, that's the phrasing that he used so uh yeah it's uh it, it was interesting i'm glad aaron said or yeah that aaron said about um uh the game never really feeling that that close because because i felt the same way and i just i wasn't sure if that was you know if it was just me um but yeah that that stop to start the game to hold him to the field goal and then um yeah Penn State did score to you know get make it 14-9 at the end of the half and did get the ball to start the second half and was driving I mean they were at just about midfield when you know Aller fumbled that ball and gave it back to Michigan and that was that was kind of their 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 last you know real chance um you know but the way Michigan's defense was playing and uh you know how, how they were running the ball it's just it's it is it is fascinating. I think at this point in the year, it's different than than last year because at this time last year, there were still those thoughts about, well, shoot, there's still going to be that game where Michigan can't do it just running, and can they pass it? Uh, you know, if they need to. I think now at this point, people realize, yes, you know, they can. They just didn't have to in this case. I also think I might have saw my first eight minute drive that only went forty four yards on on Saturday too. I mean, that was just. That's vintage Michigan right there, but it's like, wait, that really took eight minutes off the clock to go 44 yards, and and that's big. That's exactly what they're they're trying to do, and I think that was a, a big turning point in the game, even though they only kicked the field goal there. Absolutely, I mean that that's another part about this is that that I think makes their even if the lead isn't quite as big, seem bigger than it is because they just limit limit the number of drives with uh you know with with their style of play. Um, yeah, any anything else you know from this game that that stood out or, or from post game that you wanna you wanna highlight uh, kind of before we kind of wrap up and, and set the set the scene for the rest of the week? I think we saw we saw a side of Sharon more none of us have seen before. I mean, it, folks watching the game on the post game on Fox, you know, saw him weeping openly. You know, the Jenny Taft and clearly, uh, you know, you could tell it was a bot. Like he let out a lot of emotion. I think from the last couple of weeks, frustration, anger, exuberance, excitement, all of it. I think came out at, at in the interview, and he kind of acknowledged as much in the, in the post game press conference with us. You know, he, you know, he was. He, you could tell he was almost like a proud dad. You know, he's he's invested so much in this program. You know, he's been on Jim Harbaugh's staff almost, I think he's second longest aside from from Jay Harbaugh, his son. So 
Sharon has become a gym loyalist. He's he's moved up the ranks of the coaching staff to now the offensive coordinator, and on Saturday, acting as coach, acting as head coach. So, um, you know, you can tell it was another example. I think of the Michigan staff and the players having Jim's back. Um, they're, they're clearly um, happy with the support from the administration. Uh, Sharon said as much. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to continue as acting head coach. We'll see moving forward. But uh, Jim has not only cultivated a um, culture of, of players not only developing the program and buying in and everything else, but you've certainly got coaches too doing the same thing. And a perfect example of Sharon Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it was it was quite the scene in the in the post day news news conference. I mean, we, all us reporters were crammed in in like sardines in some tiny little media room. It was probably like ninety degrees in there. Blake comes in with a, a bandage on his nose, a bloodied face. Uh, yeah, I mean, Keegan had his eye black smeared all over. I mean, you could tell this was an, an emotional win um, for for this team, and, and really meant a lot to to do it for for Jim and and to to keep this undefeated season alive. And now, you know, as, as you guys said, uh, it's it's Michigan, Ohio State again, uh, you know, for the Big Ten East title. That's that's set no matter what, even if there's crazy upsets next week. Uh, the most losses they either either of them could have going into the, that game, of course, would be one. Uh, someone's got to win. And no matter who that team is, they beat the other potential, you know, or they beat they beat Penn State anyway. So they're uh, yeah, they've got they're they're good. Um, so. Yeah, that's where things stand. Michigan will play at Maryland next week. We know that game is at noon. Another another Fox game um, with the with the crew there. Uh, Maryland did you know get a get a win at Nebraska, thirteen ten. Um, they're now six and four overall, three and four in the Big Ten. But you probably already got your story up, Aaron, about the spread for that game, or no? Yeah, it's up. I, at last check, it was twenty one point spread. Uh, about what do you expect? Right. Um, if you Michigan's handled Maryland the last few years, as we know, uh, they've p- handled them particularly well on the road as well. Uh, so I'm expecting it should be another lopsided game. And Maryland get up did get off the snide, as you pointed out. Uh, they they do have a, a decent offense with one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten, as, as we all know. And they they gave Michigan some problems last year, but I I don't I just don't think they have the manpower to keep up. So 21 points sounds about right. Uh, we'll dive into them later in the week more. Uh, there is interesting storyline on the Maryland side with Josh Gaddis over there now. I don't know how much that's going to come up, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, Saturday afternoon in, in College Park. Yeah, it's the classic trap game in in the sense of it's between two huge games. But, I mean, I think we're kind of past the point, certainly with this team, to know that they don't get trapped by really anything. And, you know, the stakes are, are high enough. This isn't, you know, basketball where, you know, you – Every game doesn't mean that much um, that, you know, I just I just don't think that applies here. But it wouldn't shock me if someone brings it up at at some point this week in, in the interviews. Uh, but I, I just again, I don't really think it's a it's a concern here with this Michigan team in this case. Mike Loxley isn't trapping anybody. Uh, he might surprise some teams, but he's not trapping a, a Michigan team, especially with all the motivation and everything going on. There you go. So, yeah, we'll have continued coverage of the Harbaugh situation and, and leading up to this uh, Michigan-Maryland matchup on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening. <laughs>